Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Folks, uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends uh, show. Today, I'm really delighted to introduce you to a very good friend of mine. Her name is Darlene Marie Fall, and she's a best-selling author, a poetess, inspirational speaker, and a certified tea specialist. Thirteen years, Miss Fall asked two questions: What is tea anyway? And why was tea? associated with spirituality and tranquility. Little did she know that in seeking the answers to those seemingly simple questions, her entire life would change. Darlene is a Level 3 Plus Certified Tea Specialist with the Specialty Tea Institute of America. She has participated in the inauguration class of the American Tea Masters Association which is now a global association. With her tea travel, she's been to China, India, and Japan. And her primary message when asked is that in the time it takes to mindfully sip a cup of tea, you can calm your mind, change your thoughts, discover your purpose, and claim the greatness of your life. And Darlene Murray recently received the President's Lifetime Achievement Award from President Barack Obama for a lifetime of volunteer service with various groups of all ages. Friends, you will enjoy this conversation. We talk about spirituality, we talk about tea and tranquility, and some personal wisdom, some of the challenges that she encountered early on in her life and how she overcame came that to become uh, the success she is today. So pull up a chair, listen in, and without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Darlene Murray Fall. Hello, uh, good afternoon, Darlene, and uh, welcome to uh, the Wisdom of Friends uh, podcast. I'm really excited to have you on the show and let me start off by saying the, my first impressions of you uh, when uh, when I first heard about you was uh, uh, it was your uh, poetry on uh, social media. And uh, when I started reading those poems, it really caught my interest because I knew uh, that you were really an artist. And uh, and then when I researched your background a little bit more, I found out that you had a very unique way of connecting tea and spirituality and, uh, and you know, having a way to uh, really help people discover their inner journey through uh, self-healing and uh, self-love. And there was such a fascinating uh, way of looking at life through poetry and art and tea and spirituality that I knew that we wanted to have you on the show. Uh, so again, welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show, Darlene. Thank you. Thank you, Cal. I'm, I'm 
thrilled to be here. Thank you very much for asking me. And yes, I've been on quite a journey here for almost 14 years. And who would have thought? I truly, uh, you know, all our business mentors and everything say, you know, write down your plan, every step and all of that. But I, I couldn't have done that. You know, and it doesn't allow for the for the universe to help you when you've got everything plotted out yourself. So I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> well, uh, welcome. So one of the ways uh, we start our show is by asking our guest is, uh, what's your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by? And how have you applied it to your life? Well, okay, stay open. Uh, you know, I think that is one of the, the greatest gifts we can give ourselves is that, you know, and when we stay open to our own inner wisdom and stay open to the gifts that people drop on us daily, you know, little trinkets of wisdom that they don't even have a clue, I think that that's kind of, um, you know, what you really need to do is just stay open. And with open hearts and open minds, you know, we, we can make a big difference in the world. That, that's what I like to think. Mm. I like that, being open and being open to receiving uh of what the universe has to offer us. Now, I totally like that. So a little curious about your journey, uh, you know, now like looking at your uh, background and uh, bio since the last time we talked, I mean, you have a best-selling book. Uh, you also uh, are a certified uh, tea specialist and you've traveled the globe. You've been to uh, on your tea travels to China, India, Japan. And uh, so it's it's really what I'm curious about is it, obviously when I read your background and your bio data that this is your passion, this is your purpose and calling. So how did this journey begin? Did you always know that this is what you were meant to do or how did that story unfold for you? No, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. And <laughs> you're out there trying different things and, and it feels right at the time and you go with it, you do it. And uh, it was just as simple as one day um, as a Canadian girl, I grew up my whole life drinking tea, but you know, it wasn't until 14 years ago. I said, well, gee, you know, what is it anyway? How does it get here? How does it get in that tea bag? And, you know, and of course, I was on a bit of a spiritual journey. And it was like, well, and why was tea always associated with spirituality and tranquility? Because often you hear people and it's just like, oh, I just need to sit down and have my cup of tea. Where we use other beverages to pump us up and that kind of thing. But tea just had that stigma. And I wanted to know why. And so it was really tracking down that it was the Buddhist monks initially thousands of years ago who chewed the leaf of the plant. I mean, tea was a, a medicine long before it was ever infused into hot water. Uh, but the but the Buddhist monks knew that you know they were needing to stay awake for twelve to twelve plus hours of meditation, and they found that when they chewed the leaf. It kept them calm, yet kept their brain stimulated enough because it really wasn't good if you fell asleep. So, I mean, we, and we're paying scientists millions of dollars every year all around the globe to prove that this is what tea does to the physical body. So, again, it, would, it was just a time that they chose to stop everything else, just focus, go on this inner journey, and when we ask those questions, we are being given the answers, but we need to get to that place of quietness 
to actually hear them, to receive them. So I think that was the gift that I received by studying all of this. And it's like, okay, this is what we need to do in our modern life. It's just like just one cup, you know, 20 minutes. Can we start with that? It doesn't have to be 12 hours of meditation. And for a lot of people, that's just like, woohoo, way, way too much out there. But for 20 minutes, for the entire time, it takes you to sip a cup of tea. Can you just let everything else go? That's kind of been my message. (laughs) Mm, That's so beautiful. And uh, for audiences, uh, Darlene's got a book uh, out on Amazon. It's called Serenity, Seven Sips to Bliss. And one of her primary messages is it is a time, in the time it takes to mindfully sip a cup of tea, you can calm your mind, change your thoughts, discover your purpose, and claim the greatness of your life. Uh, it's such a beautiful message. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we can each and every one of us do that, but we need to get quiet. We need to get to a place of peace within ourselves, calming your mind. And, you know, for a lot of people, meditation is just this mysterious woo-woo thing that, oh, you know, that just that's just not for me. And it's kind of, well, can you just start this way? Just start with this cup of tea. And, you know, once you get yourself to that place where you feel that calmness, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but to me, I sort of liken it to those few seconds when you're actually conscious of the fact that you're, you know, like you're in bed and you're falling asleep, and you say to yourself, oh, I'm, you know, I'm falling asleep right now. And it's sort of that, you know, it's kind of a dropping feeling, and, you know, and it's just, to me, it's... And that's what meditation does for me. And I discovered that by sitting there with that cup of tea. And when it was done, you put it aside. And I just stayed there in that nice place. And boy, you know, my mind, when you know, I, I receive a lot of gifts when I'm in that place. So it's like, get up and write those down. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what happens for me. So I can't say that is what will happen for everyone else. But gosh, it's worth a try. And that's what I keep saying. Just try it. Well, that's uh, really uh, awesome because <clears throat> one of the messages that uh, I've been reading, one of the books I've been reading lately, it's uh, uh, Living a Good Stoic Lifestyle. And the primary message is about mm-hmm. tranquility and spirituality. And uh, nice. yeah, and one of the messages that I'm reading or I'm getting from your uh, doing a little bit of research on your background is that there are many ways to get to that state and uh, who knew drinking tea could get you to that uh, really uh, calm and peaceful state. So that's really awesome. Yeah, Um, Yeah, because we almost make it a a kinetic activity where it becomes a physical memory. And when you get yourself to that place of calm and and I choose to say to people like every sip, every time you take a sip, that's a reminder because the brain is going to start doing all kinds of things. It's going to be taking you all kinds of places. So Each sip is a reminder, oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to be thinking about that right now. I'm just going to let that go. And and, and there are many, many ways that people can do this. But, you know, I I find that it's a very good tool. Mm, That's great. I'm going to take a step back here. And uh, I'm curious about your childhood. Uh, What did your parents do and how did that shape your life? Well, I, I, 
I believe I had just a very ordinary childhood, I, uh, a good childhood. I am happy. Uh, my, my father was a firefighter for the city that we lived in in Canada, and he was uh, a firefighter for 30 years. My mother was pretty much a stay-at-home mom. There were seven children in our family, so you know, I come from, from big families, and my mother comes from a family of 13, and my father came from a family of eight, so I grew up with a lot of cousins, a lot of aunties. I had way more aunties than uncles, but, um, you know, just a, a good, stable family life, you know, good, good Catholic people up there in Canada. Mm. And in those days, people were not divorcing and, you know, families were together and, um, you know, it was just, uh, I, I, I know I was asleep for the majority of my life and didn't ask questions, didn't question things. And, you know, that is kind of the doctrine of the Catholic Church was, uh, you know, you just accept this and don't ask questions. So I really didn't for the majority of my life. And then when I started to, things really started to unfold for me. So there are many who stay in that place their whole entire life. So mm. I'm grateful that I didn't. But I'm truly grateful for the, the you know, stable family life that I witnessed and experienced. So yes, I'm I'm very happy with all with all of that. Yeah, that's that's so great. And as you can tell, um, that brings up a few more questions on that front. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as I totally uh, agree that you know some people just go through life based on uh, the society's conditioning and the programming that uh, they've been uh, subjected to, and in your case, you chose to step outside of that and began asking questions. And so, mm-hmm. was there a specific moment that turned that around for you, or were there a few incidents that happened? Or anything that yes, you'd like to there, share? Yeah, it was really uh, an unraveling. And, uh, you know, I I had my children later in life, but they were both baptized in the Catholic Church. And I had an angel store when my daughter was six months old and my son was two. I thought, what a wonderful little thing to just surround yourself, just angels. And so I had a gift store. I took both kids with me for I only worked Thursday through Sunday. And so my daughter and son essentially grew up in a retail store where we sold only angels for eight years. Mm. And then all these people started showing up, Cal, and they were talking about past lights and, you know, and all this spiritual stuff. And I just kind of went, okay, what what are they all talking about? And uh, it was really the beginning of me opening to other philosophies, other schools of thought, other, you know, spiritual beliefs. And I, I guess if there was a book that, that really opened it up for me, I read Conversations with God, book one, in the mid-90s here in San, or I was in San Diego at the time, and you could not find that book anywhere. I think that's when Neil Donald Walsh was switching publishers there, and the book was not available. Nobody could get it. Mm. So there, I had, there were a few copies being circulated all around, but when I read it, I was stunned and I knew the truth and I didn't agree with absolutely everything in there but I knew what I had been taught my whole life had been you know an untruth and I do remember (laughs) slamming the book shut at one point and throwing it across the floor and feeling extremely duped 
that, you know, my religion really had duped me. Is what Those were the thoughts that came to me, and I was angry. But I picked up the book, and I finished it, and uh, read everything else he wrote, and just kind of, it really was the opening for me. And when you feel something the way I felt it, it felt absolutely right and true. And I just kind of went, this is not my truth anymore, and I don't want that life. So I just opened up to everything else that uh, started happening. And uh, first thing I know, I ended up with a, I had a spiritual healing center, and everybody with healing modalities and methods and whatnot started showing up, and uh, all of a sudden my life was completely different. (laughs) So, yes, so that really was the beginning, and I, you know, I'm very aware of exactly when that happened. And so it was uh, a very good time for me, and, you know, I was close to 40 when that happened, so I was asleep for the first four decades of my life. No, that's that's yeah. such an incredible story, mm-hmm. and and as mm-hmm. you said, a lot of people continue living uh, the way uh, they've been programmed. Yeah. Or, and yeah. I think uh, yeah. you were uh, fortunate, or I would say, uh, you had that uh, inner wisdom to uh, step outside and explore, mm-hmm. and really, uh, you know, choose uh, make powerful choices for yourself. So, no, that's... uh, Yeah, and the other thing was, you know, I was able to let the anger go. That it was just, you know, kind of a temporary thing because, like, wow, you know, I spent my whole life trying to believe this stuff and not asking questions and things didn't really make sense and that, you know, this is just the way it is, so, you know, you're just going to accept it. And you don't ask questions. And so, but at that point, I really decided to question everything. And so, you know, let the anger go because that doesn't serve anyone. That doesn't help anything. I just accepted that, wow, this is just how people are going to live the rest of their lives. And, you know, if it's not their lifetime to wake up, that's, you know, not my journey, not my business to say. But for me, it was, okay, I want this stuff and I want it all. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Now, um, growing up, did you have like mentors and did you idolize anybody growing up or any, anybody in any particular celebrity that uh, fascinated you? Would you like to share? Not really growing up. You know, I think I, I, I just I used the word ordinary and average for myself for many, many years of my life. And um, you know, I went back to college there, uh, late in life, and that was truly when I discovered that, well, I used the word that, yeah, I just thought I was dumb. I just thought, you know, I was just an average student, didn't, you know, when the few years when I actually really did try to, to accomplish things, it was, okay, I'm still an average student. So I just, you just sort of accept the fact. But I did, I used the word dumb, and I said, you know, I'm, you know, but when I went back to college and to have that experience when I learned that I really wasn't dumb, it really was huge. <laughs> that was almost as big as, as the spiritual lesson. But it was just because I suddenly had professors and people that actually believed in me. And I was 25 when I went back to school. So to have their support and have them, you know, give me an award for the highest potential in the industry, I was stunned. 
And believe me, when I showed up the next year to continue in the program, I was a different person. And I was like, these people all see something in me, and I am not going to let them down. I'm not going to disappoint them. I'm going to take every assignment, everything seriously. And I did. And I became a different student. I taught myself how to study, how to prepare. And yeah, that was big for me. And I am grateful to say that I have just witnessed my own son having that same experience. And uh, he's now 25, but he went back to school at 23. And it's huge. And I just said, son, that makes me so happy for you because he put himself in the place of thinking he was dumb. And to have him be almost straight A's in the program and have the teachers using his paper as an example for everyone else, he said, Mom, that was everybody else's life, not mine. And I said, I know exactly what you mean, honey. And so, you know, because I said, he's so much like me. And to see him have that experience almost at the same age that I was when I had it has been huge here in these last couple of years. So, yeah. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is such an inspiring uh, uh, story, and congratulations on that. And that, as as well as thank you, son. I'm so proud of him. And yeah, and yes. so he's you know the confidence level, the self esteem, everything, and to see that, and I kind of I know that feeling, and that is powerful. So I'm very happy for him. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I, I want to get to uh, the poetry uh, and your writing in a. Second year, but uh, one of the things that I noticed is that as a tea trainer and working with many tea shop employees, that you were uh, attributed the title of tea goddess, and you <laughs> gladly embraced it. I can tell. <laughs> I sure did. I still do. I love being the tea goddess because people from all over the world, you know, they'll see that on LinkedIn and they'll they want to know what that's about. You know, especially in in countries where they have a lot of gods and goddesses. <laughs> <laughs> They're very intrigued. So, so yes, I embrace that title fully. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, I'm the uh, goddess. Yes, that's great. Now, what what I'm curious about is that you refer to yourself as uh, with the color or identify yourself with the color red, and you also are the founder of Red Poppy Press. So, how did the association of red and tea and spirituality and the work that you do come about? Well, the red was just a little bit in my hair at one time, and then it got to be a whole lot more and a whole lot more, and then it got to be a lot brighter, and that's how people knew to look for me. That's how they, you know, so suddenly I, and I was like, okay, I'm just going with this red thing, and uh, and I just, you know, I loved the fact that, you know, red was about passion and, and romance and all of that, and so I, a lot of things sort of sprung from all of that. And uh, I found myself writing poetry. I had no idea I was able or capable of writing and, you know, finding stuff in some place inside of me I didn't know was there. So um, the poetry and the writing just all came from that place. And I just kind of went with this whole red thing. And when I started my publishing company, I, I remember I had been saying, gosh, I'm really starting to collect a lot of red poppies, which had never really been a flower of choice for me. I had certainly chosen a red rose or gladiolus or my other favorite. But when I had all these red poppies and, yeah, and I just kind of went, I, you know, dishes with them on, teapots and things like that. And I go to a garage sale, pick up this great big print of a giant red poppy. 
And I went, wow, that's that's my publishing company. And that's how Red Poppy Press came about. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, as a Canadian, you know, we, we wore the red felt poppy um, in America on November 11th to celebrate, uh, what do we call it? In Canada, it's called Remembrance Day. Mm. And in, here we call it Veterans Day. Mm. So, um, you know, we, we got red poppies every year of our lives through school. And uh, my father was a, was a Korean veteran, and the Korean vets all wore the red poppy. So it has a lot of meaning for me all of a sudden there when I started looking at that and seeing my father in photos wearing his big red poppy. I kind of, yeah, yeah, on Red Poppy Press, that's, that's, that's me. Yes, that's you indeed. Um, I want to get to, uh, I know that you have uh, poetry or poem that uh, you would like to share with your audience, with our audiences, uh, and it's called Wrapped and Tied. Could you tell us about it? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to let it speak because, uh, you know, often if I put a thought in someone's mind, that's what they're going to hear. But when they see it or you know, they may receive something different, and that's what I like. Okay. And let's that, go with it. you know, when you get that experience yourself, that, you know, it has a, its own meaning for you. And to me, that's what's more powerful as opposed to how I came about it. And, you know, when you sit down to write this stuff, you think it's going to go in a certain direction, and then it takes its whole other turn, (laughs) and you just go with it. And, you know, and I have to say that that is so cool and so powerful when that happens because you know there's something else guiding you when that happens. Mm. Because when you think you have to control everything or that you are in control of everything, you struggle. And but when you just let go and this stuff just kind of comes out and to me that's a huge gift. And then there are times when I reread things and I go, Wow, you know, I know that came from somewhere else. So thank you, wherever that is or whomever that is, but that is really a very cool experience too. So when we let go and we allow, it's quite amazing what what happens, what can come to us. So I really wish that for everyone because it is a very powerful experience yeah yeah let's so let's hear it okay wrapped and tied i saw it on your lips a word you guard one that almost slips one you nearly said a quick glimpse into your heart but what's really on your mind Truth and honesty, not something you find, something that is, that lives, that forms on your lips, longs to leave your tongue. You hold back and choose another word instead. A closing of the heart, a victory for the head. Are feelings not shown, feelings that are dead? Or do they live on begging for another chance? like music playing and no one getting up to dance. The sun rises with all its splendor, but we choose to close our eyes and go back to sleep. The rustle of the leaves in the breeze, but nothing do we hear. The sweet, arousing scent escapes from the rose, but the nose senses it not. Like slipping into a bed of satin sheets, and lying all alone. Yes, feelings die hard when the head wins another match, 
another round. Feelings knocked out, bleeding and lying on the ground. Don't step on the crack, for much more is broken than the back. Dreams, desires, passions, needs, and wants all lie dormant. Buried under the trash. For the words that never are said, they too lie almost dead. Speak what it is you wish to say. Express your heart. Awaken the half-dead. Fan the flames. For an ember always remains. Blow. Give it the breath of life. Breathe and express. Nothing more to suppress. Just life choosing to live. Love choosing to be. Words being set free. Go ahead and call me your bride. I saw the word almost leave your lips. But you said woman instead. The other you chose to hide. Oh, the head, it's filled with so much pride. Never underestimate the power of the heart. Will the word escape in other ways? Hide all you want. Repress all you may. Deny your true self. Keep your love up high on the shelf. In the box where the feelings died. All neatly wrapped and tied. Wow. That is so beautiful. It is. Yes, Evan, you are a terrific writer, Darlene. I, I, I must... It's, wow. it's so Thank much. you. Because never in my life, never did I ever dream of being a writer. Never did I think I could be one, desire to be one. And when I started writing what I thought were prayers, and people kept referring to them as poetry, and I just kept, and those were to read while having a cup of tea and to put herself in a place of prayer that's positive because, you know, when we pray, people seem to pray from a place of weakness or ineptitude. And so when I had at least 80 of those prayers written, a friend said to me, you know, we really need to think about putting those in a book, Charlie. And it was just like, boom, everything surfaces. I'm not a writer. I can't do that. But I did. <laughs> you know, when I, all your fears that everything just kind of comes to the forefront and you either deal with it or you, you know, live with it for the rest of your life. But I did. I got through it, and I finished that first book, and I didn't know anybody in the book world when I wrote that first book. And, you know, there's been several versions of it since then, but to me, that was one of the biggest achievements because all your fears and everything surfaces for you to look at and deal with and move through. And that's really what that became for me. And, you know, no one is to tell you it's not poetry or it's not this. When it's your heart speaking, it needs to be expressed and it is whatever you choose to call it. So to me, that was a very powerful experience. Oh, it's, uh, that's really incredible. Congratulations on your book. And, and to continue. Well, there's a whole bunch more coming. I've had this big lull here where it's not that I haven't been writing and not that I don't have a whole bunch stacked up here ready to get published. So, yes, I'm uh, working on a, a number of things at this point, and it's just about 
you know, following through, getting it done, and getting it out there one at a time. It's rather than saying, oh, my God, there's 12. That's so much, I, you know, but it's one at a time. So that's how I'm breaking it down here recently and just saying, okay, that's how you do this. No, it's incredible, and uh, we are all fortunate and lucky that uh, you are continuing to write so that uh, we can read uh, your beautiful poetry. So, Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so... I also would like to congratulate you on your uh, receiving the President's Lifetime Achievement Award from President Barack Obama for our volunteer service with various groups of all ages. You know, that was, I, I didn't even know such a thing existed. And uh, when, when it was being presented to me and it said, and signed by the President, it was like I felt my heart just hit the floor. Mm. And then when I saw what President's signature was on it, <laughs> I became a different person, and they're just like, "Oh yes, thank you for getting this signed in time." So, pardon me for injecting that into the conversation, but no, it was it was a thrill, and and there was a time when I remember people saying, "You know, why are you doing all this, Daddy? You know, you're not even making enough money. You can't even put gas in your own car." You know, years ago, and uh, and it was just like, you know, but you're going on, and you're going to do this, and so. Just something in you that says this is what feels right to be doing. And, you know, you find a way to get to where you're going and put gas in your car to take you to one of these events or things. And so when I got this award, it was just like, wow, you know, that's what, you know, it's not that just having that made it worthwhile. But then you get the message and you say, that's why I did what I was doing. And so, yes, that was... Uh, very, very a wonderful gift, and it's framed and in my little office, and I'm very proud of it, very happy. So thank you. Thank yeah, you congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, having gone through uh, the ebb and flow of life and, uh, you know, seen, uh, achieved all these successes and awards and accomplishments, I'm curious to find out what's your definition of success now, and also what's, how would you define greatness? Well, success, we, you know, we, we think that's something that we're chasing and it's, you know, that house we live in or that car we drive it, drive, you know, that, that delivers the message of our success. And that is nothing but a big old goose chase there that, you know, that just ends you up with this because it's never ending. It's never enough. And so when you decide that it isn't about those things and prestige and our success is just about you feeling good about you. And and when we do feel good about ourselves, that really makes us invincible and that there's really nothing we can't do because it's all those other little things in our head that stop us from doing the things that we want to do. And, you know, yes, and there's not just our own voice, but there are other people's voices that say, well, you know, you can't do that. Or who do you think you are? Or, gee, you know, nobody in our family's ever done anything like that before. And so it's just about getting into that place within yourself that says, you know what, I'm okay. I'm really okay with who I am, what, what I choose to do, how I dress, how I look, you know, whatever it is. And it's not because you spend your whole life worrying about everybody else. And that's the one wisdom that, you know, we get when as we start getting older there and we think we're being, you know, all this horrible thing about aging and whatnot. It's like, you get to look at people and say, you know what, I don't care what they think anymore. 
I'm just who I am, and that's where my power comes from. And to me, that is success. And if you choose to drive a you know a vehicle that isn't prestigious or whatever, you know it, it's that's you. And this whole idea of what success in society, because society really puts us on that uh, endless quest. There that. You're never. There's no happiness in that. Mm-hmm. Temporary stuff, but no. So to me, success is it's definitely an inside thing, and yeah, you know, that's where the power uh, comes from. Well, that's uh, beautiful. And how would you define greatness? Well, okay. I, uh, that's you know that's kind of not a word that I use very much. That uh, and I, I guess you know there are people that we could say you know lived in their greatness, but you know their greatness is really almost their grace, their power. Their a lot of times that's associated with humility as well, mm. and that you know it's just this very sometimes it's uh, you know this humble being with a beautiful simple message that is. It reaches a place that you finally understand that message. Mm. And so people, you know, being in that place and, and doing the things they love to do and doing it from a place of, uh, this is just something I need to do. This is who I am. And to me, I guess that would define being in a place of greatness. Uh, and that it's not you know, a lot of the, the things that we've been misled to uh, think, make people great. That's not about awards and, you know, things like that or how many books or how many, uh, you know, New York Times bestsellers because, you know, that's still on my list. It's still okay to have a list (laughs) 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 to have those goals. But, you know, to me, the greatness is is defined in so many ways that are, you know, that are much more significant even when they're very small. That's uh, beautifully said. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, I'm gonna switch gears here and uh, ask you about uh, some of the wisdom questions that we normally get from our audiences about, you know, what stops people from achieving their full potential, in your view? Well, a lot of times it's it's those old voices inside of us, mm-hmm. and that where we, you know, I use the word I thought it was dumb. And for a lot of people, that might be a word that fits for a lot of them, too. And uh, it's the same with, the, uh, no, I'm going to mess it up there, but it's the saying about, you know, get a, ask an elephant to climb a tree or, you know, uh, these kind of things. And, and that's not going to be their gift. That's not going to be their skill. And so when we do get to a place within ourselves to know who we are and just feel good about that, Sorry, now I forgot what the question was. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. What was the question? Yeah, the, the question was, what, what stops, stops people yeah, what from stops achieving this? You know, yes, I think it's those, you know, those little voices inside that still need to be reckoned with, and you know, and it's really about loving that child mm. that's still surfacing that still is doubtful about themselves and still is, doesn't think they deserve to have something or that they're not worthy. Mm. And so really, you know, it's about getting to that place and 
finding that child and assuring that child inside of you that you are worthy. You do deserve love. You do deserve, you know, all these things that you want to achieve. And, and to me, to me again, that's part of our little assignments there while we're sitting there with that cup of tea. It's to get to that place within that, you know, where we go and somebody says something and we immediately retreat and we become that hurt child again that says, okay, well, maybe I better not try this then. And so I think that's really what it, what happens is that there's that those wounds that are still there that still need to be healed and loved. And it's not so much addressed and dissected and, you know, all that stuff figured out. It's just about going to that place and loving that child that was hurt back then. And that, you know, to me, that's, that's um, I, I guess I can really only speak for myself, but I think that's really what happened, uh, where I would go, and that we do go to a place where, you know, it takes us to a, you know, to a feeling of being that small child and, and, uh, and coming from a place of, oh, I can't do this, or I'm not ready to do this, or I don't deserve to do this. So I think that's one of our, our biggest things to get over so that we can move ahead to have the things that we feel we could actually accomplish if we really wanted to. Oh, wow. No, that's nicely said. Um, the next question for you is, I know uh, one of your favorite books that was uh, one of the defining moments for you in your life was Conversations with God with Neil uh, Walsh. Uh, are there any other books that you've read or that you would like to recommend for audiences on your workshop or Ooh, seminar um, that uh, you can okay. find your... Yeah, there's, there, you know, there's a whole lot. Okay, I guess I wasn't... Uh, wasn't preparing myself for that question, but, you know, it's just, I guess there's things that um, you get to when you're in a place to receive them, because I'm sure there are many times when people pick up a book and reread it, mm -hmm. and then they go, wow, you know, I didn't get that the first time, or how did I miss that? You're not the same person anymore. So you're looking with different eyes. And so for a lot of people, I'm suggesting that sometimes it isn't about going out and buying a whole bunch of new stuff. It's maybe picking up some of those old stuff and going through it again. But uh, I, it was definitely the, the, the poet Rumi that um, was when I decided that, okay, I'm going to call myself a poet. But, you know, of course, I, I changed it a little. I call myself a poetess. <laughs> which, which was actually a, an Indian friend of mine who started calling me that many years ago. And I went, you know what, I really like that. But when I read Rumi, I, you know, I, I, it takes me to a place that is so powerful. And uh, I just, that's really what gave me the courage to continue to write and to call myself a poet. But there was just so much in there that I just felt and just, you know, with everything inside of me and, you know, um, I, I'm still a big fan of Barbara DeAngelis, and uh, you know, she's uh, a lot of the stuff that she's doing lately is is very powerful. And yeah, you know, most of the Hay House authors, good gosh, yeah, you know, they're all um, wonderful and got great messages. And you know, when you're when you're ready to hear, you will get those messages from almost anywhere and everywhere. So yes, books are definitely very powerful. Um, but for a lot of people, again, it's about being open 
when you're reading them. And if there's stuff that doesn't feel right, let it go. Take what's good. Take what feels right from that book rather than, oh, I don't agree with everything this person has said. You don't have to. And it's like, okay, that really feels good for me. But gosh, this next paragraph, oh, that just doesn't work for me. Let it go. And so, you know, that's how I kind of do read most of my books nowadays. Is that, okay, that works for me. This I can let go of rather than, oh, I'm just, you know, this author is just not a fit for me. And, you know, putting it aside. And there have been books that I've started and the Celestine Prophecy was one of them many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was just making this whole big commotion there. And it's just like, gosh, I don't get it, you know. And I put it down. I pick it up. And, and then years later, when I picked it up and went through it, and I go, what on earth was my problem? But, yes, so we are different people when we pick those books up years later or, you know, even months later. So um, it's, again, just like I said, about being open. And what works, you accept, and what doesn't, you just let go. Yes, uh, I like that. That's great. Uh, one other question in this uh, section, it is about a hypothetical situation, Darlene, for you, is if you could go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old, what advice would you give her? Okay, well, that 20-year-old, she'd already been married for two years. so uh oh i guess i would tell her that there's so much out there and there's so much in there that uh, because i was uh, completely asleep at the age of 20 and being very challenged well you know i couldn't have asked for a better husband at the time but the problem wasn't with him it was with me and uh So, again, the bottom line was, you know, you do deserve to have this love and this person who's professing that much love. It's actually true. He does feel that way, and you do deserve it. And so, to me, that would be be one of the biggest things is that, you know, this this love is real, and you do deserve it. And, uh, you know, it took me many years to realize how grateful that I was for that that love that I had at the age of 20 that uh, was truly a blessing. And at that time, I was fighting it with everything inside of me and, you know, had to go, had to go. And, uh, yeah, I did at the age of 21. (laughs) Mm. But, yes, so it is about loving yourself and knowing that others can love you and that it's real. Yeah, loving yourself. I like that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll be going into the next uh uh, section which is like a fun section of this podcast it's called the rapid fire round and here i'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions and uh and whatever comes to your mind uh, just feel free to uh share that and if you're compelled to elaborate okay. on it uh, please do so all right so darlene are you ready for the rapid fire round? okay fire away <laughs> okay so if you could be successful in any other profession, which would you choose? I would love to have been an artist, painter, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or even a musician, somebody who actually made music. I, I think that would have been something that uh, might have been courageous enough that, yeah, I could choose one to be an artist or a musician. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Do you believe in magic? 
Yes, I do. Hmm. The next question is, if you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? Wow, isn't that weird? Immediately my mind went to, because I wasn't prepared for that one, I went to the burning of the witches. Mm. Isn't that weird? And I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I went there, could I have done something? Well, this is a rapid fire round. Maybe maybe I was, but okay, good. All right. Weird. (laughs) Okay, so uh, the next question is, if God exists, can she be trusted? Absolutely. And if you could ask God one question, what would that be? It would be why. Why why do we have to come and not remember all this stuff? You know, why? Why why has our memory sort of been erased kind of thing? That's what I would ask. <laughs> no, that's great. Mm-hmm. So that would that will wrap up the rapid fire round and I've just got a few okay. last questions <laughs> before we wrap okay. up our interview. So again, uh, for our listeners, uh, you could get uh, Darlene's book. Uh, it's called Serenity, Seven Sips to Bliss. It's currently available on Amazon. Uh, Darlene, uh, what's your current personal passion project that you're working on? or What are you looking forward to in the next six months or mm-hmm. a year? Well, I have 14 seniors from this area drawing the angels for a children's book that we are going to, I'm going to write a message from the angel. And uh, I have seniors that have created, and they're like the angel of wood and the angel of truth or the angel of friendship. And so they are doing the artwork for me. And then I will write the message as if I was the angel talking to the child about friendship or about trust or so I'm very excited, and uh, I've got these seniors that are you know, doing the artwork because um, they're they, they're totally excited about this. So yes, we're putting that together here in the next six months. Right. It doesn't have a title yet. I don't know what it's called, but uh, it'll it'll come. So I'm very excited about that. No, because I great. part of me wants to honor honor our seniors that uh, don't get the respect that they deserve. So to me, that's how I'm reaching out to the senior community. And I think with them delivering a message to a child, I I think that's a pretty powerful thing. So I'm very excited about that. No, that is so great. And uh, I wish you the very best on that project. (laughs) Thank you. And and these are just turning out to be the most incredible, wonderful ladies as they're creating this artwork. So it is just a blast. We are having a good time together. That's great. Uh, Before uh, the final two questions, is there anything that I have not asked uh, that you would like to share with your audiences? Well, I'd I'd like to give them something. Uh, It's not just about going and buying my book, uh, but on my website at DarleneMarieFall.com, I put a uh, a free PDF downloadable, um, basically how to meditate with tea, where I take you through the seven sips because it really does take that much time for us to get to a place that's quiet and gentle. And by then, you're going to pretty much finish that cup of tea. And uh, the new series I'm working on will take everyone into a guided journey. But um, basically, there it is seven sips to um, 
Yeah, it's to everything now, to inner peace, to stress release, to attract love and all these things. But, yeah, so that is uh, right there on my homepage at uh, darlingmariepaul.com, and it's a free downloadable PDF where they can uh, get a sneak peek on, you know, what it is that I write about. And I just thought I'd like to give that away to whomever is out there receiving this message. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, one other question for you before we wrap it up, and that is, what are three things you are grateful for in life today? Okay. Well, uh, my two children would be at the top of that list, and uh, I'm very grateful for a sound mind and body, and that, you know, as 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 this journey of the female and her body. Um, I know, I'm grateful that I've been healthy my five-plus decades on this planet. And the other thing I'm really grateful is that I was born a Canadian, and I'm still a Canadian after living here for 27 years. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> mm. That's, uh, so I just want to acknowledge you, Darlene, uh, for a f- for many, many things, but the few things that really uh, come to mind is your message, your message of being open to receiving and open to possibilities of life and uh, and really combining tea and spirituality and tranquility and giving us a new way of being in the moment and being uh, open and loving uh, through the medium of tea, and uh, this is such a fascinating way of, uh, you know, for people who are struggling with not having enough time, mm-hmm. and this is such a beautiful way to uh, get to that state of tranquility. So I really thank you for that. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like, can you love yourself for twenty minutes once a day? You know, instead of beating yourself up, oh, I need to be going to the gym, and oh, instead of going to be start this diet, and all these other things that we do, and it's like, can you love yourself? For 20 minutes, once a day. Absolutely. The entire time it takes you to sip that cup of tea. So, you know, we can really break it down and make it so much simpler and just be kind and gentle to ourselves and use that time to put good thoughts into our heads and release all that negative stuff that's been living up there that uh, you can't even remember where that came from, but let it go and put good thoughts in there during those 20 minutes. Yes, that's so great. And then also, I mean, the fact that your journey up until this point is such an inspiration and you're like being a role model for all the people out there, uh, you know, all the way from coming from Canada and, uh, you know, discovering yourself and uh, going on and writing a book and and writing these beautiful poems that makes our lives richer with your art. And that's mm. such a great thing. So mm. thank you for doing thank that. Thank you. Wow. No, how how wonderful. Thank you for saying so. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And, you know, sometimes you don't know why you're doing this, and you, but you know you just have to. And so I am. And now it's like, okay, you have to get brave and put it out there. <laughs> so, and, and I think that's part of the reason why people hold back is because they're afraid of somebody criticizing or something like that. But, you know, if it happens, you just got to get over it. And that this is your mission and your voice and you deserve to be heard. Yes, I like that. One final question before we wrap it up. Why do you think people should listen to wisdom of friends? Well, 
wisdom comes to us in so many different packages and uh, and and not to get yourself in a place of oh all these people are doing this and doing that and I just don't know what I want to do and how come I can't get ahead and it's just you can't be comparing yourself to others and a lot of people's journeys look really good on the outside but you never really know what's going on inside so uh, you know don't get all involved in that but this is your journey and your time and your voice and your way and you need to figure out what that is and get quiet and ask those questions and you will get those answers they will come that's just to me how the universe works and that's where the wisdom comes from and yes all these other people can give us little nuggets and so to receive all of these nuggets is a great gift and then expand on them for your own self and your purpose and how you would take that message and just turn it a little to fit you perfectly and so there's just you know, many voices out there out there and you know, they deserve to be heard and listened to but so do you as the person there who's uh, still trying to figure things out that's so great. Thank you for saying that. So once again, uh, appreciate you taking the time to be uh, on the show. Uh, really uh, uh, valued our conversation and time together. And uh, with Thank that, you. me too. Yeah, yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of us listening, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, don't be shy. Please share. Yeah, very much so. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.